Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves by studying His Word. Hi, it's Mark Sheldrake here, National Director of Precept Ministries here with Derek Kamink, and this is Unlocking the Truth podcast week seven on the book of James. We are coming to an end with three weeks left to go after this week in James, Derek. What a fantastic study James has been. I hope everyone's been enjoying uh, the study as they're going through it. I hope that you're enjoying the, the podcast. We're having a great time leading um, classes and we're having a great time uh, getting this podcast ready for you. So I hope you're enjoying it as much as we are enjoying putting it together. This week's uh, podcast, the segment of scripture that we're going to be looking at, is a smaller segment of the book of James. And so I promise you this, we'll be all over the Bible mm-hmm. and uh, it will be a great opportunity to see what God has for us and how we are to live. So let's pray as we begin our uh, time together. Father, we do thank you for this time that we have to be in your word. We're thankful that we live in a country that allows us to freely open our open scriptures in public places able to profess your name and speak loud and clear that we are your children. And so, Father, we thank you that your Son, Jesus Christ, has provided freedom for us from your wrath as well. So as we look at this book of James now, uh, would you just guide our discussion that we're going to have? May this be an opportunity for us to continue to grow more and more like you uh, each and every day. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. James chapter 4 We have worked through a number of different subjects. You remember, if you've been listening from the beginning, uh, this reads like a Proverbs, um, but covering multiple different topics. Uh, Last week, we looked at the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of man. This week, uh, we take a left turn Mm -hmm. in the scriptures. And uh, verse 1, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is it not the source... Uh, is not the source pleasure that wage war in your members? I find that this verse is super interesting in the very fact that the way that James describes these quarrels, mm-hmm. he uses the word war. Mm-hmm. And so we have to remember, Derek, uh, let's remind everybody what who the audience is. Yeah, James is talking to a specific people group in a specific time. Uh, if we go back to the opening chapter, uh, we see James that he's addressing the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad. So he's speaking to a people group um, that are no longer in their homeland, uh, a group that is uh, suffering persecution. He opens the letter by talking about trials. So we're talking about to a specific group of people uh, that, are, uh, that are at odds with, uh, with the world around them. Yeah, and really, they're at odds with each other. That's right. And because this now is infighting Mm -hmm. within the uh, diaspora. And so we've got this uh, very clear quarrels, conflicts among you, and uh, it's in your members, verse 1, chapter 4. This is not the first time that James has brought up anger. Right. And so uh, if we look at James chapter 1, verse 20, he says, For the anger of man 
does not achieve the righteousness of God. Remember, the whole focus of this letter is not only being a hearer of the word, but doing a, being a doer of the word. And so now in this uh, body, we've got quarrels and fighting and we have anger. Mm -hmm. And what he's saying in James 1, anger does not uh, achieve the righteousness of God. It does not prove that you are both a hearer and doer of the word of God. Mm -hmm. He also goes into chapter two talking about favoritism. Uh, and, and the reason that he's addressing favoritism is because it's happening within this church. Uh, but the problem with favoritism is that it, uh, it creates hostility among the members of the church. Uh, and it also puts us in conflict uh, with God. His call for us, he says in, uh, in chapter two is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so if we're showing favoritism, if we're uh, creating hostility with one another, we're actually uh, in conflict with God's call on our life. So we've got really um, showing a couple of times here where these quarrels and fighting, and this is the pattern that all the way through, it's not like he's just addressing this all of a sudden. This is at the core of the problem. They're, they're fighting within the church, within the group. And so now we have to look at, well, what in the world would cause these people to fight. What are they fighting about? What is the source of the conflicts that they're going? Well, the first one is found in chapter four, verse two. You lust and you do not have. And so uh, the idea of lust is looking with your eyes and having this view of something that you cannot have. Mm -hmm. He's not, he has addressed lusts previously, and I wanna look at that in chapter one, verse 13 and 14. And this is about the temptations under trial. He says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. Now listen to this. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. lust. So now we're beginning to understand here that it's the eyes that see. Now this reminds me of a story in the Bible. And it reminds me of David. Remember when David was up on the roof mm -hmm. and he looked out and he saw beautiful Bathsheba. Right. And he looked, he saw he saw that she was beautiful, he inquired of her, and then he found out that she was married to yep. Uriah, but she st he still took her yeah. and lay with her and she conceived a child. And this is the thing about lust. It always sort of begins with the eyes. Mm -hmm. It's looking at something that somebody else has and having this uncontrollable desire to have that thing, and it usually leads to action. Mm -hmm. What's the second source of the conflict? Well, verse two says that you are envious and you cannot obtain. So now we're, we're looking at what other people have, 
and we are concerned that we don't have what someone else has. And so our desire becomes for the things uh, that belong to others. Well, this is really, he addresses, this is coveting. Yeah. And so uh, this is funny. This is probably, a, I, I may have told this story. I can't remember if I told it on this podcast or or First John mm. podcast, but uh, my neighbor, my neighbor is like Mr. Green Thumb. He has the greenest lawn. Mm. We could be in the biggest drought yeah. of the summer and zero rain. Mm-hmm. And this man has a beautiful lawn. I'm convinced that he goes along and he fluffs it up <laughs> with his fingers. When you step on it, it's like stepping on a carpet. Yeah. Well, when I look out and I've posted pictures of this on my, on my social media, uh, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> and what I've got is my house um, might be because I'm frugal. Maybe. I don't know, but I just, frugal or lazy, I'm not <laughs> quite sure. But, you know, I don't really water my lawn. Uh-huh. And so it goes into a dormant stage, which is brown. Yeah. And then once the rain comes along, it comes back to life. But sometimes you'll also find Ontario's national flower in my lawn, the dandelion. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he loves that. He probably hates that. <laughs> But when I look out my front window, I actually covet his lawn. Mm-hmm. I want that. Yeah. And, and uh, the reason I want it is because it looks so much better mm-hmm. than my lawn. And the reality is, if I wasn't so frugal, I too could put a sprinkler system in my yard right. and have a green lawn. Mm-hmm. But that's what coveting is. Mm-hmm. Coveting is looking at something knowing that you will not ever have it. You can't obtain it, but you want it, and it begins to control your mind. It looks to me, like in verse 2, that some of this actually leads to a pretty heinous thing. Right. What is that? Well, he says in in verse 2, you lust and you do not have. So because of the lusting and the not having, you're committing murder. Uh, you're envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. It looks like, as I've done some research and reading, that uh, some scholars are kind of split on this, mm-hmm. that some think that murder is a metaphor, right? but others think, no, no, literally people were being killed right. because of what they had and others wanted it, and yet in the end never had the opportunity to obtain it. Mm-hmm. Now, James also addresses, and I think he goes back to prayer, and he's We've heard about this before, and we've talked about prayer. And if you go back to chapter 1 of James, James chapter 1, he says, uh, But if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously without reproach, and it will be given to you. Okay, well, wait a minute. So there's a connection here. You are, you know, coveting. You are lusting for things that you do not you don't have well because you haven't asked right now the same way here if you don't have wisdom you don't ask now the reality is 
in the next section, in James chapter 1, verse 17, James makes it very clear that don't worry about the things really of this world because mm-hmm. he says every good thing and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow to change. If the gifts that we can receive, the blessings we can receive, we can get them from God. Now, pause. Because before you interject, I want to make sure that we all know that I'm not talking about prosperity gospel Mm -hmm. here and praying for a Ferrari and you'll get it. Right. What James is talking about is James is talking not about material things here, but he's talking about blessings from the Lord. He's talking about wisdom coming from the Lord. Mm -hmm. When we pray for those things in faith, we will receive them. Right. And James addresses that idea too in, in... Chapter 3, he says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. So he says, you do not have because you do not ask. And so people would think, okay, then I'll just ask and I'll have faith and I will have all of the things that I could possibly want. And James says, well, that's not true either. The reason that you do not receive even when you ask is because God knows your heart. He knows that when you're asking for wealth, that your desire and your plan is to spend it on yourself and not for his glory. Uh, and, and that's something that we do all the time when we think, man, it sure would be nice to have a little extra money. And if you ask yourself, why do you want that little extra money? The answer usually isn't uh, so that I can donate more, so that I can give more, so that I can glorify God. It's so that I can maybe have that vacation that I want, or maybe I can afford a, a bit of a nicer car. God understands uh, our heart. He knows that when we are uh, desiring things that do not bring him glory, um, and we can't trick him. We can't say, God, I'm, I want to do this amazing thing for you. He knows our heart. He knows that our desire is for ourselves and not for him. Yeah. So if it's a matter of the heart, why is God going to bring spiritual blessing on you when you're going to turn around and use it for selfish gain? Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. And then Verse uh, four, we'll come back to verse four and five, because I think that the best way we can understand this is that if you're lusting, if you are coveting, if you are causing fights and quarrels and conflicts and war because of these things, James gives us a clear solution to that. And he says in James chapter three, verse two, this where he's addressed the tongue before. It says, for what we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is the perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. The reality is that as believers, we should be able to bridle our body. Right. Control our lusts, mm-hmm. control our desires, Stop from coveting. Mm -hmm. And I think the Bible, and this is where we want to stray away from James for a few minutes. The Bible makes it clear for us as individuals that how we are to live in a way that walks in the righteousness of God. And so I want to go to 1 Peter. Why? Because I love 1 Peter. (laughs) No, we want to go to 1 Peter because I think 1 Peter sets us up with the standard And it gives us a word here that also describes the diaspora Mm -hmm. in which we looked at 
this verse yeah. in the overview. So this is not the first time we've been here. Yeah. But listen to what Peter says. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen. So first thing Peter tells us is that he is writing to people who are chosen. Mm-hmm. That means children of God, and the second thing he tells us, and he describes them as aliens. Right. So this is the standard that I want to set and have you help me set as we work through, is what is it like to be an alien? Right. An alien chosen by God. Mm-hmm. We're all aliens, yeah. and give me the reason why we're aliens. We're, we're aliens because we do not belong here. This is not our home. And uh, it says in Philippians uh, 3, verse 20, uh, it says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are told that this is not where we should be comfortable. This is not where we should feel like we're at home, um, that we should always be looking towards our uh, our future home, which is in heaven. That's where our citizenship is. Our, our passport doesn't say earthling or Canadian. It says chosen by God, and our home is in heaven. So when I go and I teach workshops, and I always like to refer back to Philippians 3.20, I say, my passport says Canadian, but in the eyes of God, it says that I'm from I'm heavenese. Mm. I heard somebody else say that. That's not my own <laughs> personal saying, but uh, yeah, we we're of heaven. And so in the book of James, in James chapter four, and we'll come back to this again. We have this idea here, and he says, "You adulteress, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God?" Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So there's two distincts here. Mm -hmm. You have a friend of the world and you have an alien. Right. Doesn't live in the world, is not a part of the world, but they reside in the world. They're in the world, but not of the world. Mm -hmm. So I want to spend the remainder of our time looking at the characteristics of an alien. How does an alien live in the world, but not of the world. Characteristic number one. Aliens, they look to the future. And we want to look at 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 to 5. And he says here, Blessed be the God, the Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved for you, it reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Now, Derek, what were the people quarreling and fighting over in James. They were concerned with the things of this world. They weren't focused on those things that were heavenly. Uh, they were allowing the, the lusts of the world to come between them as believers. How often do we as believers get focused on the things of this world and forget what's coming? More often than I care to admit. Yeah. Now think, you know, in the town that I live in and you live in now, yeah. every Thursday, the uh, newspaper comes for free. Mm -hmm. And it's only one day a week that it comes for free. 
but in that newspaper, it is filled with flyers. Mm. And it's filled with all of the flyers for all of the stores. And people will spend all the time and they'll be looking at those flyers and they'll be kind of, you know, lusting after, coveting after those things, making their list of the things that they want. And we're forgetting here that these things, they don't make us happy for a really long time. Mm -hmm. They're, They're temporary. They might give us joy for a little while. Like my son just got a a Nintendo Switch. Right. And he loves it for like a little bit and then puts it away. And then it's done. Think about a young child, you a young baby. The joke for parents is why didn't we just give them the box? Yeah. You know, they fall in love with the box versus what's in the box. Right. And here what Peter is saying is he's telling us telling us what we should long for, what we should desire, Mm -hmm. what we should I don't want to say covet, but what we should be looking for. It's an inheritance, an imperishable inheritance. It's an undefiled inheritance. It's one that will not fade away. It's one that is reserved for us in heaven. Hmm. Why are you fighting over the things that you have here in this world when you as a believer in Jesus Christ have the most amazing inheritance waiting for Mm -hmm. you in heaven? Aliens look to the future. What's the second characteristic of an alien? Well, aliens do strange things. Now, if if you've ever seen a movie about an alien on Earth, it always you can always pick them out because they're different, because they're strange, because they're weird. They stand out in some way, whether it's the way that they look or the way that they talk or the way that they act, but they're always doing strange things. So as aliens, what are the what is it that we do that is so strange in the in the world that we live in? And what that is is that we believe in the truth of the gospel. This message, this truth that we receive from God that that he came as a baby and that uh, that he grew up and for the 33 years that he was alive, he committed no sin, that he spent his time here on earth uh, teaching people uh, how to live in a way that was in direct opposition to the way that the culture and the society told them to live. And uh, he was arrested, he was crucified, he died, he was buried, he came back from the dead. He rose from the grave. He appeared to the disciples and to to 500 people all at once. And then he ascended into heaven and we know that he is there uh, preparing a place for us. This is what we as Christians, as disciples, this is what we believe. And it is a strange thing to believe. We know it to be true. The world thinks that we are completely bonkers when we believe uh, this, this truth of the gospel. And in 1 Peter, again, we look at chapter 4, starting at verse 1. It says, Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. So we are called to cease from sin. We are called to live our time in the flesh no longer for the lusts of men, that our focus and our desire should be uh, for God's will in our life, not for uh, what our world um, has to offer us. 
He goes on to say in First uh, Peter, for, this, for the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lusts, drunkenness, carousing, uh, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excesses of dissipation and they malign you. They are surprised that we do not act the same way that, that they do. We stand out. We do strange things. These are the things that the world does, but we don't. And so we look strange. This is the contrast <clears throat> that's happening in James chapter 4 is you have fighting and quarrels and making war and you know if it's literally people dying because of what they have and this yeah. is all happening with the church you look like the world mm -hmm. you walk with the world you don't separate yourself you're not doing the strange things i love that part in peter it says it's so, when it when they're surprised it's like yeah. they're looking at you and saying well wait a minute you used to do all these things, right. but you don't do them anymore. And James is comparing that and saying, well, look what you're doing. You're doing the things of the world, mm -hmm. but you're doing them within the body. And so aliens, right, you're right. They do strange things. The other things that aliens do. So let me remind you, aliens, they are uh, citizens of heaven. Mm -hmm. They look to the future. They do strange things. They no longer sin, but walk in righteousness. Aliens are in training. And so I wanted to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verses 24 to 27. And I thought this timed out perfectly because it talks about training. Mm -hmm. And I love training. I wouldn't say I love training to the point that it's an idol, but I'm always training for something. Right. Training for a marathon, training for an an Ironman or, or whatever the case may be. But you see, the key is that aliens too, they need to be training. You need to be preparing and ready to run. And so Paul, and this is why I love, Paul uses running as an example. He says, do you not know that those who run a race all run, but only receive the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises, wait for it, self-control in all things. That means you don't lust, you don't covet, you don't get angry, you control all of those things. Then they do, when they do it, they receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Listen, you know, a good, trained, well-trained athlete is going to control themselves. Mm -hmm. They're going to work very hard to train their body to be able to run a marathon. They're also not going to eat things that are going to sabotage their race. They're going to they're going to have self-control in their lives. It's the same way for Christians. The difference is that we're not receiving the medal at the end of the finish line. Mm -hmm. We're receiving what Peter talked about. Right. This imperishable prize that's reserved for us in heaven that will not fade away. And therefore, we need to train and be working towards and ready to run the race as though that's what the end game is. Mm -hmm. Therefore, run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body and make it a slave so, after, so that after I preach to others, I myself might not be disqualified. 
How does that compare? Well, James talked about bridling the body, Mm -hmm. bridling the tongue. This is the same thing here, disciplining your body to not uh, to make it your slave and not following to the lusts and the coveting that uh, you might have. So aliens, they are in training. What's the final uh, characteristic of an alien? That aliens do not conform. So if we think about those alien movies, inevitably what happens is they try or someone tries to to get them to fit in so people don't notice them, so they don't stand out. But it never actually works and usually what happens, it's the thing that makes them different that ends up being the thing that saves them or ends up being the best thing about them. If we look at 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 14 through 16, he says, as obedient children, Do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. We are called to not conform to the world in which we live because this is not our home, because this is not where we belong. We should not try and be like uh, those who we are living with. As obedient children, he says, God's children, not children of the world, but children of God that were not conformed to the former lusts. And he says that they're the way that we used to be. That this is it, that that's how we used to live when we were ignorant, when we didn't know any better. Um, And now that we understand and we know the truth, the call for us is for holiness in the way that God is holy. And holiness simply means being set apart, being sacred, being different, being chosen out of. And we are called to be holy in our behavior, that our behavior sets us apart from the world that we live in. And our standard for holiness is our Lord Jesus Christ, that in his time on earth, he lived a complete sinless and holy life. And the call for us is to attempt to try to do the very same thing, to not look like the world we live in, but to look like Jesus Christ, who is the example of our, of someone who is native to our homeland, which is heaven. Yeah, it's amazing that um, Jesus tells us when we think about James chapter 4, verse 4, he tells us that you cannot have the world and you cannot have him. You can't serve two masters. Right. You don't get dual citizenship. That's right. You adulteress, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Mm. This is hard-hitting words. This is right in your face. If you love the world and profess you're a believer... Mm -hmm. But your actions, your deeds, your lifestyle does not show what your words are saying. Mm -hmm. That you are just a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word. You're an enemy of God. Verse 5 says, Do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. Aliens have the Spirit of God Mm -hmm. dwelling in us. And therefore, God so desires 
aliens to be with him. Yeah. So he doesn't just call us to be different. He also gives us the Holy Spirit to help us to be different. We are coming to the end of our week. I hope and pray that as we've looked through these characteristics of aliens, that they know and they understand that their citizenship is in heaven, Mm -hmm. that they are looking, that you, you who is listening to this today, that you are looking to the future, that you are looking to the inheritance that he has for you. I want to just bring you back to that again. An inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled. It will not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you. Are you looking for that inheritance? Or are you being hung up on what others have? Are you coveting and lusting after the things of the world? Mm -hmm. Are you doing strange things? Are people looking at you and seeing that you walk in a completely different way? Are you in training? Are you in the word of God on a regular basis? If you're listening to this podcast, I surely hope that you are training, that you are in God's word. Mm -hmm. This is what Precept Ministries is all about. It's about training, training for righteousness. And are you not conforming to the world? Mm -hmm. Those are some characteristics that you can begin to line up in your life and ask yourself, am I living a life that's after Jesus? Am I being a hearer and a doer Mm -hmm. of the word? Why don't you close us in prayer? Gracious God, we thank you for, uh, once again, the opportunity we have to go to your word, to understand your truth. As we read in James, as we look at the tests that he has given us, um, the tests of faith and works, the tests of, of how we speak, the tests of, uh, of the wisdom that we allow to inform our lives, and, and today the tests of where our desires are, where our allegiances lie. Um, I pray that, uh, that as we look at these tests, we are convicted in the areas in which we need growth. We are encouraged in the areas in which uh, we are succeeding. Uh, and I pray ultimately, God, that we will remember that this isn't just about Um, doing in order to receive uh, righteousness, but all of this comes because we have already received the gift of grace, that we are saved um, by grace through faith, and, uh, and that we are now your children, and that we should feel uncomfortable here, and that we should act as aliens in a foreign, a foreign land. Almighty God, we thank you for your word, and I pray that you will continue to reveal the truth to us as we continue to study. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. For more information on Precept Ministries Canada, visit us online at www.preceptministries.ca or call us at 877-234-2030.